Welcome to Cutting Edge Web Content Development, the podcast where we delve into the world of CMS systems and their crucial role in website and web content development. In each episode, we'll explore the reasons why founders, CEOs, CTOs, and CMOs of web content development companies need CMS systems to thrive in the digital landscape. Get ready to uncover the secrets behind successful website management, content creation, and seamless user experiences. Here's your host, Jonathan Ames. Welcome to Cutting Edge Web Content Development, a podcast by Butter CMS. Here we share the insights on the intersection of content and web development and how you can align these two often competing forces to improve efficiency and business results. Joining us in this episode, we have Kyle Sutton, the current SEO director for The Points Guy, which is part of Red Ventures. Kyle, welcome. Thank you, Jonathan. Great to be here. You know, one of the things I love to hear in speaking to people like yourself is some of the successes you've had over your career. For you, SEO is your background. What are some SEO projects that you're really proud of in your background? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the funny thing about SEO is I think you can take either a straightforward or maybe a more circuitous path. I've maybe done more of the latter. So I come from a journalism background, been doing SEO specifically for about a decade at this point, and have been at various sides of the business. I've done kind of specific shop dedicated to working with clients. I've done kind of in-house with US News and World Report, for example. I was with Gannett USA Today for about five years there, which kind of came full circle with the journalism background. And yeah, there's definitely various kind of touch points along the way where I've kind of looked back and said, gosh, that was a successful project, you know, forged some great relationships, got some good work done. I think of a good example, I feel like I really kind of cut my teeth with my original agency called ClickSeed. I still keep in touch with my former employer, great guy, uh, Jim Robinson of like, Working with bigger scale clients, that kind of got me introduced to the world of enterprise publisher level and really the expectation of being able to do things at scale and work with editorial teams directly. I'd say that that's where I started fostering those communication abilities to get in front of rooms and go through editorial best practices for SEO, which I think is much of what we'll probably speak to today. US News and World Report was kind of an in-house role, and that was more got me on the side of being more mindful of kind of Google algorithm impact, seeing a site that that impacted firsthand and taking a bit of a pivot into strategy. A lot of things on the technical end, such as URL migration and some cleanup and editorial strategy that righted the ship there. So that was very nice to come in. Like, never a great situation to come in and like, hey, we're having trouble. Could you help us out? But I think it puts you in a spot to be able to say, yeah, I'm up for the challenge and put some practices into place that you feel like you see a positive result from. So that was definitely very encouraging. And then with my stint with USA Today, Gannett, again, back to, I was on the product team there, but a lot of direct relationships with editorial trainings and giving advice on tentpole events and working with teams on best practices. That was great. And that was really encouraging to see those things work at scale. With Gannett USA Today is the flagship brand most folks know and know the blue dot, know the newspaper in the airport. But that expanded to basically close to 200 local markets across the US. So oftentimes solutions we'd find would benefit everybody if we were making tweaks on the back end to the publishing platform, the CMS, we could really get a lot of bang for our buck across the organization. So that was really illuminating to me to be able to work at scale and see that impact, not just to one newsroom, but to several dozen to several hundred potentially. So I think that really reassured that like, hey, if the solution is going to work for one site, it might scale nicely to others, which was very encouraging. And then, you know, certainly with the points guy now, the unique set of challenges like playing in the credit card space, which is kind of high risk, high reward, but that's been, I think, really getting to understand the nuts and bolts behind that. It's been great for my edification as well. So So in your career, you mentioned the work you did for publishing. Mm -hmm. How is publishing different with SEO than, say, other mediums? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the rules of the game, I think, are slightly different for publishers. When most folks think of traditional SEO and what they know Google search results to be, and given they're changing more and more every day, so I might be kind of dating myself a little bit here, but you'd think, okay, searching for something, I get my 10 blue links and page of results, and those are our organic pages. And while that is a space that publishers can play in, there are a lot of unique avenues and basically platforms within Google that are more relevant to publishers. These include things like Google News, their dedicated news platform. If folks are aware with uh, Google Discover, which is their mobile-first experience that's very curated based on, these are the things that I like. These topics get higher kind of interest from users and curation, and they get almost like a personalized feed. And then there are modules that live within your traditional Google results. Typically, you see that as a top stories module, which is basically if Google recognizes that you are searching on a topic that they can, they sense there is a news moment going around right now. Let's say it's like New Hampshire primary or NFL, NFC championship, something like that. They will produce a cluster of results specifically from news publishers at the top of the search results above those traditional blue links. So that's where publishers, that's the creme de la creme in terms of getting in that position and staying in that position. And a lot of that is coming down to kind of frequency of updates and being the first out the door, if you can, with a story and getting those citations back where Google recognizes, hey, you perhaps broke this story and we're going to keep you elevated in this position. There is also some degree of preference towards like, are there local markets that are speaking the story in a different way where maybe their takes can complement those of national brands? So there's kind of a lot of unique strategy that comes there, but oftentimes the name of the game is like, can we stay in those positions and can we remain in those positions, which I think really gets into the editorial strategy around what are we targeting? What's the information we have about the types of keywords users are searching for in this moment? Are we reflecting that in our coverage? Have we considered if there are breakout moments happening where we need to have separate pieces of content that target those different user queries and intents? How often are we refreshing our piece of content versus publishing a new one? So that's where that degree of strategy comes into play, which I think becomes, you know, I find it to be a fun game to keep up with to say, what are we doing and seeing the immediate results of that. But that, in my mind, is more of that kind of immediacy, ephemeral nature of search results that I think really leads more towards publishers. Yeah, tying into the number one topic of 2023, AI. Yeah. I had a guest on just a couple of weeks ago who's talking about how AI has been used for years and just producing these little snippets for news, like the results of this soccer game, and it gives you the immediate results, you know, one or up-to-date stuff. It's all generated by AI and has been for years. And most of us don't even think of that, that, yeah, there's not somebody there on a keyboard typing away as the game is going for every single game. Weather result, what's the weather in this particular place? You could have AI generate that. Yeah, a lot of interesting things in the news front. So going off of that, what strategies would you recommend for news publishers in optimizing their SEO? Absolutely. The starting point I like to think of where publishers should start is to really understand your audience and your niche and where you feel you have as though you a right to win within that space, which is some terminology we used at, at Gannett quite a bit. It's really not possible to be everything to everyone, and that's okay. Uh, Google is going to have likely their preferable publishers for different types of content. If it's tech news, it might be like Apple World and Tom's Guide. If it's like sports related stuff, it might be ESPN and The Athletic. I think get to know where you feel like you've got the most authority within that space or your staff is trained is like experts in those areas. Those are your main beats. And try to lead into that is like, this is the area that I feel like we have the best chance of owning. A good way to establish that if they are working with SEO for the first time or starting to invest in bringing on a consultancy is like, 
look to your analytics to say, okay, if I just segment my audience by organic, what are the types of stories and topics that have resonated the most with audiences? And can we double down in those departments? I think that at least gives you a thread to follow to say, okay, we've gotten some initial traction here. Let's continue unwinding that to see what more can we double down in that space? Is there more we can do there? Because this has been rewarding to us in the past. So I think it starts there of like, where's the area of investment going to be? Then I think it really comes to, in my mind, like getting the buy-in from editorial. Because for team, like I'd like to think less so these days, but I think there are certainly those pivotal moments of saying, we're going to make an investment in SEO and we're going to pivot our strategy accordingly because we see it is a meaningful source of traffic. For many publishers, the most meaningful source of traffic. And we can't say, I think, different conversation around the pivoting medium of print to digital, but we can't write as though we are a print publication anymore. Number one, because that's not where the majority of our audience is coming from, but also like those techniques are likely not going to reward us within organic because you need to be thinking about like, how can I be direct and incorporate the things that people are searching on as opposed to being like kind of punny with your headlines and things like that. When in Google's mind, they might be like, well, I don't know what you're talking about because you're not using the terms that our users are searching on. So there's a disconnect there. So I think it's establishing that mindset with newsrooms and then saying, well, here's why it's important. And that's where I think you have to be nuanced in the messaging to not say, we're doing SEO and this is going to change everything that you've done and we're throwing out the old playbook and here we go. Like I think it can be easy to go the wrong way with that. The way I like to think about it and how I've approached it, like, listen, we're talking about reaching the, the largest audience possible. And especially with writers and editors themselves, would you rather your byline be reaching 100 users or like 100,000 potentially? We're looking to expand our reach. And if you think about it that way, and that you can have this basically tool belt of tactics that are going to allow you to reach that maximum audience through an organic search audience, I think that's something that the whole group can kind of have buy-in and conviction in to say, yeah, absolutely, we want that. But what are then the rules of the road to get, to, to get us on that path? And that's where I think you can start introducing preliminary tools and kind of methodology around understanding what a search audience is looking for. Like a very simple tool we've introduced to newsrooms is like Google Trends, where you can just type in an entity, as we call it, like the name of an individual or a place or an event. And then Google will give you like real-time statistics on here's what's trending around the Iowa caucus right now or NFL. What are the big games and matchups? And I know it's been a smaller space in the Republican Party now, but the candidates whose names are bubbling up more and why and then be able to find, oh, there's a lot of user interest around these specific breakouts. Let's focus our stories here. You can really start to incorporate those findings into your own topics to say, we are going to write about these things because we see there's a search audience there. And then start going a, a step deeper into the actual tactical implementation of that, of like, how are we writing a headline where it's clear to Google what our main focus and target keyword is? Are we putting out URLs that we feel are optimized for search and for users? Are we writing our content in such a way that's easily parsable to Google? Are we doing a good job of linking to related content? Because aside from users finding that to be a helpful tactic to get to related stories, like Google is looking to links to discover more of your content. So that's where you can really establish what those tactics are to reflect in their own practice. And it's the sort of thing where it's like, I think in a good scenario, it's not as though it's like a litany of new things for an editor. It's almost like a checklist of like, I've written my story, I feel good about it. Let me check that headline. Let me check my search research. Let me double click into my mm-hmm. what my URL slug was. Am I linking to enough pieces Diligence. of related content? Exactly. Where then they can feel confident of like, all right, I've hit the mark on these things. Let's get it out the door. And then I think also an encouraging thing is like there are plenty of analytics platforms are there. Like 
chart beats and the parsleys of the world where you can get real-time feedback of this story was published. And 10 minutes later, we're, 70% of our traffic is coming from Google. Like That's really encouraging. I've been in newsrooms where those dashboards get broadcast very high. And I think that's like immediate, can be some immediate like encouragement to see, wow, I spent the extra time on this story. I'm seeing how well it's doing. It's our top story of the day. That's great. This stuff is working. So I think there's a lot of those feedback mechanisms to really give folks the encouragement that the fruit of their labors is worthwhile. And that's interesting. I think that's something that only in news are you going to have that quick of a result from SEO. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. The same day. <laughs> wow, we're trending. Suddenly we're way up here with our work. So that's an incredible experience for an SEO who often has to wait for weeks or months to find out if what he's done has worked. Absolutely. But, so those are some great ideas around how to use SEO with journalism. Are there any limitations of what SEO can do for journalism? And if so, how do you work around those? I think oftentimes it can be trying to find that balance of what you want that audience to be doing when they come to your site. And this is not unique to publishers, I think. If you're a product site, you want people to buy a certain product. I'm playing in the credit card space now. We want people to come to the site and ideally apply for a credit card through us. Like That's the name of the game, no matter your industry. I think where it's been unique for publishers in transitioning from, again, print to, to digital and having that be viable from a monetary standpoint is like, where do we find the balance of the free content we want to provide to users versus when do we need to consider a subscription so we can keep the lights on and have retained users and that sort of thing? And that's where it's gotten interesting in terms of the degree of experimentation and I think modeling to find that balance of like, when do we feel as though we can provide the content that is maybe for a one and done audience? And then how can we turn what seems to be a more engaged audience and returning users into subscribers? Do we give them a couple of pieces of free content and ask, hey, if you wouldn't mind, for your fifth article on, we'd like to see you become a member. And then that kind of comes with its own, I think, dependencies in terms of making sure it's deployed in such a way. And Google has had documentation around this in the past that like, Google can see the articles that maybe is behind a paywall for a user. So I think finding that balance of turning an organic audience into a converting audience, it's interesting, right? Like as an SEO, you want to be able to grow organic traffic share over time. But I think it also comes with the trade-off of like, hey, realistically, we want this maybe to be the introduction to people to our brand, the type of coverage they can get from us. But at the end of the day, we want them to be a subscriber. We want them to have our app. We want them to have our site bookmarked so they're coming to us directly because we converted them initially from search. So I, I think that handoff is interesting, but that's maybe one unique, I think, challenge, maybe more to the monetary subscription model there. But I think limitations, I think it can oftentimes be just that level of buy-in as well. I think it can be unique for editorial in terms of like maybe having known to write a certain way for a period of time and then having to tweak their strategy to be more successful for SEO. I think sometimes I've heard SEO mentioned of like, I think editorial teams can get a little gun shy of like, we don't want to be an SEO content factory. We don't want to be writing stuff just for search, which I get. And there's probably maybe egregious examples of that where you look to the types of content and publishers putting out the door. I was like, wow, they're just churning this stuff out. It really doesn't seem like there's any editorial touch on it or degrees of integrity that we would want to put into our work. So I think it's really trying to find that balance of like, we want to retain our voice. We want to retain our editorial integrity and our expertise. But we want to also marry that with what are clear search opportunities and how can we lean into what an audience is already looking for to kind of meet in the middle somewhere. So it's not like, I'm throwing my style book out the window just to lean into S quick SEO hits. Like I don't, I don't think anybody would feel comfortable recommending just that, but tilting the scales back to find where's the medium of bringing our voice to the table, but also being able to capitalize on the search opportunities. That's always been a delicate balance in my mind. And I think 
where you want to kind of thread the needle accordingly to make sure editorial feels empowered by what they're doing and your search team and, and audience team can also feel convicted in the strategy and that like there's growth and opportunity and conviction there. So Yeah. It's a challenge, I think, for publishers, but also just across the web now, because of the rise of the idea of content marketing. Mm-hmm. So many brands now are publishers right. in their own right. Or they find their niche and they begin publishing there. And some bigger brands even have news pages with regular events and news and such that's coming out. And so they become like a mini news outlet. So there's, I think there's a lot of overlap in what you're saying, even for brands. And also there's more challenges for the people who are the dedicated news publishers out there to compete in a, a much more competitive organic space where it's not necessarily bifurcated into this is news and this is evergreen content in the internet. It's like you said, it's all kind of mixed depending on what's going on there and as algorithm changes happen. Yeah, absolutely. And just to maybe double click into that point, Jonathan, I think you mentioned evergreen and I think that's been like, I think I started off the segment noting like a lot of this is kind of reacting in the moment to news hits and things like that. But there's also most certainly an evergreen component to it. We did a lot of this with USA Today. I know other publishers had a lot of success of understanding that's a very viable avenue as well of like, let's build up our corpus of content around these subject matters where we know there's going to be long-term interests and where that can pay dividends down the road. Because I think what you find is due to the volatility of the news cycle, it can often be, hey, when it's a presidential year, when it's a a year of the Olympics, we're going to see these big spikes in November and February or in the summer, depending on which season of the Olympics it's great that we can ride that out, but it happens for these quick spurts of time. Oftentimes, it's not enough to kind of sustain over the course of the year. So I think if you can marry that with a, an evergreen strategy of like, we're going to write about, do the search research and write about these topics where, again, we feel as though we've got the expertise, we can clearly see from our research there is like year-long interest in that. That can continue to kind of rise all boats where it's like, yeah, we'll certainly take the big hits, but we're not living and dying by that because we know that this garden of evergreen content is growing and traffic is increasing there. And that's going to offset, I think, maybe the risk reward that you take. So those things can definitely, I have seen them work in concert where it's like, we're getting our big moments, but we're also really growing this corpus of content that can sustain us when there's those off moments in the news cycle. Yeah, yeah. Good points. That brings me to the next point, which is AI. Everyone's been talking about that. Yeah. In SEO work, are there any tactics that you would recommend? First of all, do you recommend that publishers have anything to do with AI in their publication? And if so, what's the way to use it? Absolutely. I absolutely think there's application. I think at this point, I don't think anybody denies likely the transformative impact that AI is going to have not only in our industry, but really worldwide. I think as far as SEO goes and, and like application now, I'm more of the mind that I think the more we can lean into the research acceleration efficiency component of it, that to me is, is like where I think the immediate gains can be had. We're in this interesting position as far as folks who are maybe more following Google's latest guidance and reading between the lines to understand what they're expecting with each algorithm update, why they reward certain sites over others. This big concept in the past several years that has come back around is, it is now, it used to be EAT, now it is EEAT, which is expertise, experience, authority or authoritativeness and trustworthiness of like the sites that we reward, we want to know, like in a nutshell, our experts have had experience with the things they're talking about, are authoritative, have the credentials, or maybe are a well-known brand, and you can trust what they're saying. I think you could argue that that's maybe in contradiction with what you could be getting from an AI-generated experience of like, at the end of the day, a trained model or a robot 
wrote this content based on information that it was fed. We can't honestly say it is coming from a trusted source because it's not coming from a human. So it was like, is that going in the face of what Google is saying it's expecting from those who are going to be most strongly rewarded and the expectation from their users? And I think Google themselves, as they're experimenting with their SGE search generative experience, are, are trying to find where that line is as well. And you mentioned earlier what they're surfacing at the top of results and summarizing results. I think publishers and sites are mindful that takes a considerable share of this, this SERP, as we call it, results page real estate. So I guess where I'm going with this, Jonathan, is I'm of the mind that I think if you are looking to succeed long-term within search, or at least the standards by which we know them, that it makes a lot of sense to invest into these foundations that Google is establishing around, you're an expert, you know your stuff, you're trustworthy. Where I think the AI component comes in is like, can you look to those resources to accelerate those processes or find efficiencies to do what you're doing better? If you have an editorial team that is summarizing, pulling together sports scores or the best deals on, I'll give you a TPG relevant example, like cruise deals of the month. Oftentimes that can be like individuals who are going out and doing that research manually to to pull those things together from various sources of the web and then put their take on it, write a story. If you can have AI doing that job for you of like, hey, I'm going to go out, I'm going to pull together all the research. You're still going to be the one that writes the story, but I just gave you half your day back because I did the research on your behalf. Therefore, you're getting this time back on your calendar to write maybe optimistically like 2x of what you were doing because it takes that research component out. That to me, there is an immediate efficiency for you. So I think trying to lean into how we can benefit productivity and efficiency to give folks back the time that they need most to be like putting their traps to use and putting their expertise on display because they're writing more content coming from their voice. Like that to me, I think, is a clear use of AI. It's ever-evolving. The guidance could change in years to come. But from folks I've talked to, and I think from conversations we've had, it seems as though that research component of it seems like kind of low-hanging fruit. Just like, see what tools are out there, what you can learn, how it can streamline your processes to make your team more efficient, to do what they do best, and give them the time for that. Yeah. That's great advice. On the research front, I really think it is a game-changer as far as helping speed things up like that. So you've been in your career for several years. You probably have learned a few things over the course of that career that you wish you would have known at the beginning of your career. Could you share anything? If you could go back in a time machine, talk to yourself right out of college, what bits of advice would you give to someone just starting out? Yeah, I think it's, I can think of a few. One that I think my current self would say like, hey, this has been more useful to me than I thought. I think for somebody starting on in their career, really give yourself the grace to learn the fundamentals of SEO. Like at least. In my day, and I'm hearing more about it now, there wasn't really an SEO course in college. I think a lot of folks just fell into it or started in. For myself, I came from journalism. I had a stint with an ad agency who then had a need for digital strategy, which then pivoted me into SEO. So it was like a couple right turns that got me here. So in a lot of what that means is you're kind of having to learn it yourself to some degree. And at this point, there is no shortage of resources to get to this. Google has best practice documentation. There are sources like Moz or SEMrush that have beginner's guides, intermediate advanced guides to SEO. There's like a wealth of community and sites and Twitter or X or LinkedIn where people are constantly putting out great information where that you can learn and follow certain thought leaders and individuals who give out great advice and learn from them. Search publications and blogs like the search engine lands and roundtables of the world that you can follow to stay in the know. And then you just start absorbing it through osmosis of like, okay, I'm hearing more and more about this thing and why it's important. And like, I can keep those things top of mind. And like, in terms of like, 
what Google is changing and why. And then you can also just double down in the areas of like, I really want to get my chops down around technical SEO. I'm going to use these tool sets. I'm going to watch these YouTube tutorials. I'm going to read these blogs that teach me how to use these certain techniques. And that all really goes into your tool belt. And something I really love about this that I've found is there's never something that I learned that I didn't end up using later. You're just kind of amassing this library of knowledge that it's going to come in handy at some point, which I think maybe brings me to my other kind of advice for somebody is like, do your best to then distill that down into what matters. I found most of all, like, I think it's very easy to maybe get lost in the nuance of SEO and what all of the various things could mean rather. And like technical SEO, like extremely important foundationally, but I've, I think I've found if you're talking to an audience who is not as familiar with SEO or a leadership audience, it can be very easy to lose them because that's not their world. But for us, it's our bread and butter. So it's like shorthand to us, but it's not relatable. So really try to distill that down into like, what are the takeaways for that that's going to apply and make sense for somebody like not to have to take everything down to dollars and cents or traffic. But if you can say, by doing this technical SEO work, I feel confident we can grow our audience by 30%, which is going to result in 2x revenue growth or whatever it might be. Like, Try to get it down to those terms where you can really distill all of the various moving parts into what the impact is going to be for your business. And I think in those situations, that's where you can really solidify impacts and get your work prioritized because you can at the end of the day, distill it down to impact you think it'll have. And, and some of this is a best guess. We think based on having done this before, or our knowledge or the market share we know is out there, it's going to result in this. But I think you can have the confidence in doing the research around it to really get that narrative tight. So I think my recommendation, I think to maybe to the audience is like, get to know your stuff really well. But then beyond that, learn how to distill your SEO knowledge into your relatable business knowledge that's going to move your work along or get your audience engaged or resonate with your editorial team to make sure that they have the conviction they need to then get that work done. I found that tremendously important to be able to relay that and be a really strong conduit of that in relatable terms can really be a needle mover. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Kyle, tell me a little bit, if someone wants to connect with you, how they would find you online. Your company is Red Ventures is your main company. You're with the Points Guy. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Personally, I stay fairly active, mostly between X, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Twitter's just uh, LW Sutton. LinkedIn, if you search by my name, you'll find me. Most engaged there. Honestly, I'm usually retweeting a lot of good advice and putting a little blurb to it, but I think that's probably where you'll find me most active in the social space. But yeah, currently with the Points Guy, and we're with Red Ventures, which includes a lot of top brands folks are familiar with, like Bankrate and CNET. I'll give maybe a little plug here that I am currently hiring on the team, so folks can look to a job listing I put out if you're interested in joining us and seeing what we're up to and helping to move conversation along with our SEO strategy. So yeah, certainly folks are welcome to connect and follow and happy to engage in any of those platforms if people have questions. Excellent. Excellent. Hey, one last question on our team. Someone asked this and they want me to bring this forward to you. So Google is eliminating cookies from Chrome. How do you think this is going to evolve SEO over the next couple of years is suddenly we don't have these? I think the onus because of this has really been on publishers to collect first-party data and get that information of their own through authentication or what it might be, knowing that they might probably not be able to rely on Chrome for that anymore. So I think a lot of companies have probably had it on their roadmap that they need to develop their own processes of being able to store those that user information in those sessions beyond what Chrome is giving them. So if anything, hopefully most folks are already like well along the way on their strategy here. But if not, probably worth taking stock of and saying, hey, what are we going to lose 
from this lack of cookie functionality in Chrome? And what's the data that we need to be successful in our business? And what are the platforms we need to be developing to make sure we've got that information? So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, there's evolutionary changes like that happen all through SEO. I can actually remember, I'm old enough to remember when Google Analytics would tell you the, the search keywords that people searched when they're coming in off of organic. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. give that to you for free. And of course, that's changed now. They don't have that option for you. But as there's these changes, Google or others, it seems like one, being able to hear from multiple people like yourself, this is coming and some other ways to do that is helpful in steering you along the right direction so you can be prepared and not caught off guard by that. So yeah, probably like you said, most people have heard that. But if not, now you know, and here's some good advice. Start working on ways to identify your users as they come to your site and do logins and such. Well, excellent, Kyle. I really appreciate all your insights, especially from the publishing side. There's some little nuances there that I think really anyone, even who is not a news publisher, could learn from and the, the advice and the tips you get. Really appreciate it. That's great. Thanks so much. Appreciate being a guest, Jonathan, and getting to hopefully relay some helpful information to your audience. We're really uh, grateful for the opportunity. Awesome. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you. Cutting Edge Web Content Development is brought to you by Butter CMS. To find out how you can build better with Butter, stop wasting dev time, and free your marketers from your legacy CMS, visit buttercms.com. Also, make sure to search for Cutting Edge Web Content Development in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Butter CMS, thank you for listening.